Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. Guys, uh, we're starting a new series today uh, called Seriously, and if you have a Bible, uh, I want you to hold two spots, one in Hebrews chapter four and the other in 1 Samuel 15. Now, when it comes to this new series, Seriously, gotta pause there, uh, specifically, we're talking about taking God himself and taking what God says seriously and the peril that we put ourselves in when we don't. You see, everybody knows that relationships require communication and communication gets responded to between people or not, which is actually a response, right? We listen or we don't listen. We value what is said and spoken or we don't. We act on what is said or we don't act on what is said based on who's doing the talking, right? So believers uh, as people, they are independent beings who choose to behave dependently on God and what he says, listen, in a willingly surrendered way because God is doing the talking. But having established that, that right there, willingly surrendering to God and what he says, that is epic spiritual battle as we're gonna see here in part one. It's a battle because we're in a culture that declares your authority to decide and run your life. But culture clashes with Christ, and Christ declares his authority, right, to decide in your life, and that is where the battle comes. So, question, who gets to decide what is best for you? That is the, the biggest question since the beginning of man. Is it going to be me? I get to decide what's best for me, or God? God decides what's best for me. And you can only respond to a word from God or a direction of God or a command of God in one of three ways. You can respond in pride, right? And the message of pride is, I know better. Heard what you said, I know better. The second response you can have when God speaks is fear. And fear says to God, I heard what you said, thanks but no thanks. I know how to meet my needs better, and parenthetically, and if I do it your way, my needs aren't gonna be met the way I want them to. So I'm afraid they won't be met, so I know my needs better. That's the language of fear, and that's the message we send to God when we don't listen to what he says out of fear. Then there's a third option, which is the one that we all are seeking and why we're here on the Men's Global Livestream, which is not the response of pride, not the response of fear when God speaks, but the response of faith. And faith says, you know better. Pride says, I know better. Fear says, I know my needs better in the moment, so I'm gonna do it my way. Faith says, you know better, and it releases itself in actions that reflect that you believe that God knows better. Now, today's culture, I will say it again, strongly encourages self-management and self-sufficiency versus God dependency, right? The message is, hey, you do you. The focus of all the messaging 
is that you are at the center of your universe and you need to really do you at the expense of listening to God. And we're soaking in it. So what happens uh, to God's man? If he soaking in this culture of self-management and you do you, what happens to God's man, all right? If he is being influenced by that? Well, using biblical pictures, the clay, right, takes the place of the potter, all right? The branch that used to depend on the vine now assumes the role of the vine and it's flipped, right? The sheep start telling the shepherd how to do his thing and how to lead them, right? And you see, when God speaks, scripture reveals a God who never once ever took into consideration what the created being's opinion was when he was issuing a revelation or a direction or a command. Scripture reveals a God who doesn't respect our circumstances, right? He actually expects when he declares something or reveals something that we're going to take what he says seriously, both in our hearts and in our actions. Now, what's the alternative if we don't take God seriously? His person and what he says. Well, I think we all know this. Uh, man borrows trouble. The man of God borrows trouble when we don't take God's person and what God says seriously. And that's what this series is going to explore. Men who did and men who did not take God's direction seriously. And it's going to provide us with some just some powerful lessons uh, for us right now in this cultural moment. So here's where we're headed. I want you to see in Scripture God's mind on our response to his person and words. That's number one. We're going to do it every time. And then we're going to look at a man uh, who thought it was okay to call an audible, right, on a direction that God called him to run. He decides for himself in the moment, God's plan is not my plan. I'm going to, I'm going to replace it with my plan. And then we're going to follow his journey. So let's look at our downloaded notes right here. Let's look at the top and let's get God's mind on our response to his person and what he says. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, it says this, God means what he says and what he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one can resist God's word. We can't get away from it, no matter what. So let's unpack that and let's identify what we see. And the first thing that we see is God's attitude, right? What is that? Well, what he says, he means. He does not waste words. I'll say it again. What he says, he means, and he does not waste words, all right? Number two, we see God's authority. In the Bible, it says what he says goes, right? It's not up for debate. Why? Because God knows more. God sees the future. Uh, God knows everything. He knows everything about you. He's ahead of us. He's omniscient. What he says goes just based on his person. The third thing that we see is God's accuracy, all right? What God says 
is precise. I love the picture that's painted in these verses. His powerful word is sharp, which means it cuts in as a surgeon's scalpel, right? So a surgeon finds the place to cut, cuts in that exact that place. It gets to the problem to create a solution, right? So we see God's accuracy, right? God, when he speaks, is surgical on every issue that he speaks on. He gets to the, the problem, he gets to the solution, and he speaks into the truth of the matter every time providing direction, warning, joy, abundance. Whatever God speaks on, it's precise. That's why we can go to the Bible. We want surgical precision on the issues of life. Fourth, we see God's effect. What he says always gets a response. I love what the passage says. Nothing and no one can resist God's word, meaning it's always going to accomplish the purpose for which it is spoken. It is always going to be respected. Whether we listen to it or not, scripture reveals we can't get away from it. So we can either take God seriously immediately or not take him seriously, but ultimately, not taking him seriously, God's word will catch up to us at some point. So you cannot escape the influence of God's word once it is spoken and once you have heard it. Now, this leads us to a really important point, and it's talked about in Deuteronomy 29, 29, right? Let's read that. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed, you might want to circle that, belong to us, to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. All right? So in Deuteronomy 29, it just tells us when, when God talks and we hear, he reveals his will about anything, right? What does he expect? he expects us to take it seriously. It says that we may observe all his words. So what does it mean right now? Today, tomorrow, the next day, forever, all right? Uh, don't miss this, and please write this down. The purpose of revelation is application versus what? Discussion, consideration, debate, um, picking and choosing. When God chooses to reveal his will on anything, the purpose of him revealing it to us is so that we can apply what he says immediately uh, to our lives. And So when God speaks uh, on uh, your relationships, when God speaks unto your temptations, when God speaks into your, your business practices, when God speaks into your attitudes, when God speaks about your past, right? When he speaks on anything, if you take God seriously, and I believe that's why you're here, if you take God seriously, you take God's word and revelation seriously, all right? So that's really important, and we see that 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 this picture that we've just set up about God's attitude, that uh, what he says he means, God's authority, that what he says goes, God's accuracy, what he says is precise, God's effect, 
right? What he says is gonna get a response, either immediately or eventually. You're on the other end of his revelation and the purpose of revelation is application, but there is a character who doesn't want you to apply what God says. And this is the oldest battle in the book, right? We have to go back to Genesis chapter three, verses one through five. Now watch for the battle. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, there we go, right? We have creation, big pillar of the Bible, and now we have fall. What does the fall look like? It looks like a battle over taking God seriously in his person and what he said, right? What's the strategy by the devil? Make what is cloudy, I make what is clear cloudy, right? Eve says, hey, he was really clear. What's Satan, Satan's objective? To dilute clarity with cloudiness, all right? And I know that you know what that's like, where you're in a situation and your mind calls Come on, this is who God is, and this is what he says, or this is what I know, or this is the scripture that, that I know that speaks into that issue. And, and all of a sudden, the clouding voice comes in, the rationalizing voice, the justifying voice, right? The strategy here for Satan with Eve, Satan with me, Satan with all of us, with you watching right now, right, is to make optional what God declares as final. Eve had heard it as a declaration with authority. That was final, right? But Satan is just saying, hey, you know what? You got options here, all right? And there's an outcome on the other side of option B, which is not taking what God said seriously. And you're gonna have to consider that. And when I tell you what the outcome of option B is, you're gonna have FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. And you're gonna choose it. And he knows that that, that independent, curious human nature is gonna be attracted uh, to that. So there's God's mind. There is the, the, the Bible's position on God's person and when he talks. But I also wanted you to see that the Bible says the purpose, anytime God speaks on anything is, the purpose of revelation is application, but then there's this battle not to apply what God says. In fact, there is this strategy on the part of the enemy of your soul to make what's clear cloudy and to make what's optional, I make, make what's final optional, all right? Now, let's kind of turn the corner and get into our, our first person that we're gonna study. And we're gonna look at the lesson of Saul when, when God speaks. Now, just for some context, um, you know, Saul 
was um, was a Hebrew. Um, the the nation of Israel uh, wanted a king like all the other cultures, but kind of like us. They wanted to run ahead of God's timing. They wanted to be like everybody else. They looked, they saw all these other nations have kings versus judges. And they're like, we want to be like the world. And so God allows them to borrow trouble and he gives them a king and they, he gives them Saul. So Saul is made king of Israel. Uh, and, uh, he is the, um, he is the answer to Israel's antsiness for being like the rest of the world, okay? So there's a little bit of context. And uh, the headline over Saul in, in, the, in the Bible passage that we're gonna look like is, when God speaks, don't call an audible in the moment. And the reason why I call that is because I've done it. I've had the clarity of God's word, and then in the moment, under pressure or with social ergonomics, I've called an audible and not done what God has said. So when we read this, this account of Saul, don't uh, make the mistake of not putting yourself in Saul's character. He's just like you and he's just like me. So let's, let's start off and let's see the clear word from God to Saul. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them, put to death. And listen, this is harsh men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Wow. All right. This is one of those hard passages of scripture because God gives an extermination order. All right. Now there's context to this, which is important biblically. All right. What God is asking Saul to do as king of Israel is a fulfillment of a promise that he made regarding Amalek in Exodus 17 and Deuteronomy 25. Why? Because God is responding to the Amalekites' cruelty and exploitation of Israel when they were at their weakest and most vulnerable point as individuals and as a community and as a nation. Unprovoked, the Amalekites attacked them when they were at their lowest spot. And when I when I read this, I say to myself, wow, this is justice in the most dramatic way. But I want you to know that this is a fulfillment of God bringing justice to his people for a cruel act of terrorism on the weak, vulnerable, and exploited. Amalek had this coming, all right? Now, there's a few observations that I wanna draw on this, uh, having that context. And the first observation is that God speaks a specific direction for Saul, all right? He says, okay, you're gonna be used for my punishment. 
you're going to be my agent of justice. This promise that I made back to my people back then that I would give them justice, you're going to be the agent that's going to deliver that justice. So that's the first observation, a specific direction for Saul. All right? There's no cloudiness to it. All right? Second, God speaks a specific reason. All right? What did Amalek do that deserves such a dramatic response? All right? Well, they waylaid Israel. All right? They were vulnerable, they were weak, and totally unprovoked. Amalek waylaid Israel as they were just beginning their infant journey uh, as a nation, right? Third, God speaks a desired application by Saul, right? So there's the direction. I want you to punish him. Here's the reason, and here's your application. Saul, totally destroy, do not spare, right? And it illustrates just a good principle, uh, I think, uh, for all of us as men of God. Time does not erase sin. Amalek sinned. Amalek uh, is being held accountable. Now, God can judge you or me or the Amalekites immediately, or he can uh, judge them later on, or he can judge them ultimately. But one thing that we got to glean from this is that time doesn't erase uh, the consequences of sin. But back to Saul, all right? So he gets a specific direction, he gets a specific reason, and he gets a desired application of that direction and that reason. So how does Saul respond, all right? He calls an audible, and we read about that in 1 Samuel 15, verses 7 through 9. The Bible says, Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and limes, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So there is Saul's audible. God gave a specific direction, a specific reason, and a desired application. Saul calls his audible, and just like we call our audibles, fellas, again, we got to put ourselves not in the character of Samuel the judge, or in the role of God as judge and jury, but in the role of Saul, because we are just like him. All right, what do we see? Number one, we see selective listening, right? What is selective listening? Well, you hear what you wanna hear, or you don't assign seriousness to what you have heard. That's what selective listening looks like. So I was like, yeah, 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 thanks for that. But then when he got in the moment, under the pressure, he called an audible, right? So either he heard what, only what he wanted to hear or he didn't assign seriousness to what he heard. Isn't that just like us, right? Sometimes you only hear what you wanna hear. That's human nature. 
because you have your self-interest in mind. So God can say something, uh, but in your self-interest, you self-protect. And when you self-protect, you don't take God seriously and you don't follow through on what he says. Or we simply in in pride just, just say, hey, I know better on this one, which is like, wow, okay, kind of arrogant. Second, what we see is we see selective authority kind of leading into that with my last comment, right? What does that look like? Well, God, I believe you have authority in this area, in this area, in this area. You have moral authority. Uh, you have actual authority in this area, in this area, in this area. But over here, I have authority. Wow. And, and guys, lest you think that we don't do that, um, if you do the research on men like I do, and you just study maybe that area of sexual integrity, we practice selective authority, nine out of 10 of us do. In terms of lust and porn and fantasy, it's a $54 billion a year, probably more, industry by now. That might be an old statistic, but that's the last one I saw, right? Where there's a clear, not cloudy, direction from God, make a covenant with your eyes, right? Guard your eyes right? There's love me with your mind. There's, you know, lust is synonymous with sin, Matthew 5, um, and many other places, right? Um, Where we have very clear versus cloudy instruction when it comes to lust, porn, fantasy, self-stimulation, all of that stuff, right? But we practice selective authority, which makes us sexual atheists, let the paint dry on that for a second. When you practice selective authority, you become a selective atheist. And in the area of sexuality, that is the poster child for, for selective atheism. God has a lot of good things to say about this and how to treat people and, and uh, justice issues and social issues and treat my neighbor like myself. But on this one, right, he doesn't know anything. And my behaviors reflect that, right? So we see Saul doing the same thing that we do, selective listening, selective authority, which always adds up. It's like one plus one equals two, which always produces selective obedience in the moment, right? But it started with Saul's view of God. You remember when Samuel would said, this is what the Lord Almighty says. You know who the Lord Almighty was replaced with? Saul Almighty. You know what happens when we practice selective obedience? The Lord Almighty, who has spoken, is replaced by Kenny Almighty. Just put your name in there, right? That's what selective obedience communicates to God, right? Not taking God's person seriously, not taking his word seriously. So Saul had a clear word. He got under pressure. His fear made it cloudy. And then he called an audible in the moment, right? He selectively listened. He practiced selective authority with God. And then he selectively obeyed God. Now, remember our theme verse for this series, Hebrews 4, right? 12 and 13, that little section of it that says, nothing 
and no one can resist God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. Well, guess what? Saul is going to discover right now how true that is, all right? He gets caught by God's word and tries to defend the indefensible. So 1 Samuel 15, 10 through 20, I want you to listen for God's heart. I want you to watch how Saul reacts and see if you can detect a pattern in him and see if it resonates with you, all right? Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, quote, I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, quote, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument to his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, listen closely. What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle? I hear, because they were all supposed to be wiped out. Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Listen to Samuel's response. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And here's Saul's reaction. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took the sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. So did you hear God's heart? Did you watch how Saul reacted? And could it be that, that we do the same thing when we're selectively listening, practicing selective authority and selectively obeying God? So what do we see when Saul gets confronted? Because remember, right? Nothing and no one can resist God's word. You can't get away from it no matter what, right? What do we see when God's words, his actual words versus Saul's audible catches up to him? We see blaming versus owning right? I mean, what a man, right? He gets confronted and he goes, the soldiers brought the sheep. He says it two times in one short dialogue, right? Well, who told the, show, the soldiers that that was possible? They wouldn't have done anything unless Saul sanctioned their actions as their king. Secondly, we see disrespecting versus respecting. Disrespecting what? Disrespecting God? 
disrespecting himself, Saul disrespecting himself, Saul disrespecting his position, right? And Saul disrespecting the intention of God's mission. He took none of those seriously. God, his position, the mission, he didn't take it seriously. We see disrespecting versus respecting. Third, we see spiritualizing versus repenting. And this is this is really rich, guys. And that's what I think really ticked off Samuel when he just goes, all right, enough of this, all right? I'm not buying what you're shoveling, all right? You see spiritualizing versus repenting, right? The passage in the dialogue in, in 1 Samuel 15, um, Samuel says, why did you pounce on the plunder? And, and Saul says, so we could offer sacrifices to God. Okay, so he puts up the God wall. Like God says to do one thing. Saul calls an audible. Saul gets confronted by God's original instruction, which didn't call for him to do what he did. So then he starts backpedaling and now he has to, to do God talk, right? To defend himself. Well, we did it with a good intention. I know we didn't listen exactly to what God said, but we had a better plan than God as to what would please him. Uh-huh. And Samuel just goes, okay, time out right there, Butch. Enough, right? Enough of this, right? Where your intention even if it was good, God, God's word overrides your good intention in the moment. And I don't even believe that that was your original intention. You're making stuff up now. Um, and so that, that interaction is kind of a mirror for us, fellas. Um, you know, when God speaks very clearly and his word catches up with you, if it if it doesn't catch up with you immediately, like it did with Saul, where he got a clear direction, he called an audible, then he got confronted, or if it catches up you with you ultimately, what are you going to do? Are you going to blame someone else for that? Or are you going to own it like a man? Are you going to disrespect right, God, yourself, the, the, the position, the leadership position, the influence that you have? Um... Or are you going to respect those things in that moment? Are you going to spiritualize it and, and, and just say, oh, well, you know, God wants me to be happy and, you know, God's love and there's the grace of God and, or give some scripture verse, uh, kind of like what Saul did to justify your disobedience. Okay. We are just like Saul, but the lesson here, right? is not the blaming, disrespecting, and spiritualizing. The lesson is the opposite of what Saul did. We need to own it. We need to respect God, ourselves, his word, the mission that he's given us, and we need to repent versus spiritualize. If, if, and you see, the blowing it is not the issue. It's how Saul reacted when he was confronted, right? His replacement, David, right? So Saul gets, because of this, Saul's removed, David takes his place. Did David blow it? 100%. David blew it. Blew bad. You know what? But David repented, right? 
And that's the difference that we see here, all right? So let's get to the last part of our study, the bottom lines. Uh, we see the bottom lines in the, the, as we roll the film on the dialogue, just, we just continue it. But Samuel replied to all of Saul's blaming, disrespecting, and spiritualizing. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams, for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Man, that is a hard, hard moment. But it's a, it's a revelation. You know? It's a revelation about how does God know that we take him and his authority in our lives seriously? Let's unpack three things, right? God knows that we take him seriously when my actions alone deny or affirm God's authority in my life. My actions alone deny or affirm his authority. You see, Samuel being used by God just cuts through the whole charade and gets to the heart of what was going on. And it was, you know what? You don't know God. God just wants you to listen, right? He doesn't want you to come up with a bigger, better plan. I mean, it's, it's basic communication from someone in authority to you, the person who is under that authority. And rather than your big display of, you know, sacrifices, which we don't even know if that, that was your true motive, um, obeying and heeding is better. Right? Remember that. If you don't take anything away from this study, just remember this. Obeying the Lord is better than any religious activity that you could do. That's what pleases the Lord. That's what God loves. And when you make stuff up, when you call audibles, essentially that's idolatry because what you're doing is, like I said before, God Almighty, the Lord Almighty, was replaced by Saul Almighty. You know, When you start just saying, hey, you know what, God, I hear what you're saying, but pride or fear uh, is believed, just like with, with Saul. Um, you know, that's that's worse. You're, you're doing what Satan tried to do in heaven, which is why he was booted out of there. Saul gets booted. Saul repeats what Satan does. He puts himself in place of God. I have the authority. It's my kingdom. It's my power. It's my glory. And I did it because I was afraid. Uh, of men, and, and, and we really get to see in living color in this thing how pride and fear are two sides 
of the same same coin. You see Saul acting in pride initially. Oh no, I did it. I I did the right thing and, you know, but then here in this confession he says I was afraid of the men. So my actions alone deny or affirm God's authority. Second what we see is my pride and fear pollute his authority. All right? I it's kind of dovetailing on what I just said. All right? So then how do we apply what we're learning here? All right, what should our goal be as God's men? Well, man, we should increase our humility before God. Remember that he's the potter, we're the clay. That's humility. We're the vine, he's the branch. That's humility. We're the sheep, he's the shepherd. That's humility. He's creator, we're created. That's humility. We should we should practice and do things that remind us of who he is and who we are and remember who we are so we know what to do which is to take him seriously and obey, right? More humility, less pride, more faith, less fear. Why? Because pride and fear pollute God's authority in your life. Third, my miscalculation calls down God's authority. Like I said, sometimes God will judge immediately. Like he didn't judge the Amalekites immediately. There was a 400-year gap before God asked Saul to be his instrument of justice, but he is his word, what he speaks. You can't get away from it. You can't resist it. It will catch you, right? Saul was judged immediately, all right? He called down God's authority. After God had spoken, Saul disobeyed God's word. God's authority came down to bring justice and discipline because he was disobeyed, right? And you know our miscalculations when we believe the messages of the world, when we believe the devil, when we believe our flesh, when we believe culture that says, hey, you do you. You do you. I know there's God and and I know that he said some certain things, but man, you're going to miss out if you do it God's way. Or you're large and in charge. If we listen to those cultural, demonic worldly or fleshly impulses and voices, right? We are going to call down God's authority upon our lives, either immediately or ultimately when we stand before God, right? And this is a teaching point for today's session, right? About immediate or ultimate. You know, the best men of faith that I know the guys who I really admire and who I really want to be like, you know what they're like? They choose the ultimate over the immediate. Their eye in any situation is not on themselves or the pressure or the fear or the people or selfish things. Their eye is on the ultimate. It's on heaven. It's on that moment when they'll stand before Christ and their focus on the ultimate helps them act obediently, taking God seriously in the moment. And so Saul forgot the ultimate. He forgot that God is the ultimate authority, right? And when we forget that God's the ultimate authority and that we're accountable ultimately to God, the immediate, right, turns sinful, it turns selfish, and it creates a huge consequence for him, right? Now, that that moment could have been saved. 
right up until the end, right? And again, it's not about blowing it, guys. The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but but rises again. So stumbling is expected. But you know what? It's how you rise and repent that makes the man. And can I just talk to some of you right now? I can see just in, in the spirit, I know that there's many of you, you're, you're sitting at home, you're sitting in a coffee shop, some of you are on a run, all right? And this is hitting you. And right now, God's calling you not to blow this moment, all right? You know you've blown it, but you haven't yet blown the moment, but God is confronting you right now through this live stream and in this community. And this is a safe place to repent. God wants you to repent. God wants you to own it, not blame others for your behaviors and actions. God wants you to respect him and respect yourself and respect your identity in Christ and respect the call on your life. And he wants you to repent. He doesn't want you to spiritualize it. He doesn't want you to rationalize it. He doesn't want you to justify it. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to pray. And all of us can join in this because all of us have that, have that Saul force in us where we could do exactly the same thing and not take God seriously. So let's, wherever you are, I want you to get on your knees. This is a sacred moment. Father, with all of my brothers, Lord, my, my heart just seeing this, what happened, Lord, it just, it, it just makes me want to come before you and just confess that sometimes I act like the vine, not the branch. And sometimes I act like the potter, not the clay. I try to mold you into my image and my plans instead of letting you mold me by your person and by your word. Lord, I confess that I'm a sheep that tries to act like a shepherd in certain areas of my life. I take my own direction and I don't take yours. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's a fool's journey. And Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that this, this, this episode of a man's life is in your word. And God, you, we see clearly your attitude. We see your authority. We see your heart. We see that you gave Saul right up until that last moment a chance to just do what men do. Own it. And so together, God, myself included, Lord, I own my sin. I own my irresponsibility. I own my own pride and I own those moments when I respond in fear and I dilute. And I just want to tell you that I'm sorry when I do that. It's not right. You're the potter. You're the creator. You're the shepherd. You're the vine. I, I do what you instruct me to do. So, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that it cleanses and restores us. Thank you that um, it separates us from our mistakes as far as the east is from the west. And uh, we receive that for ourselves right now in this moment. And God, we repent. We change our minds, Lord. We want to take you seriously because you're the Lord Almighty. 
And because you're the Lord Almighty, when you speak into anything, Lord, we want to take what you say seriously and act on what you say in faith, not call an audible. So, Lord, we're forsaking audibles in the moment. In Jesus' name. And God's men said, amen. Well, thanks for joining us for part one. If you liked this, please share uh, the Men's Global Livestream. Maybe there's somebody that you know that might need to hear this. And we'll see you next week for part two.